This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. And what a save by Talbot! A sprawling glove save by the Minnesota goaltender. Denies Goes to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined as always by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Excited to kick off our off-season miniseries called Expanding the Wild where we bring in voices of non-traditional hockey fans to give their experience uh, becoming hockey fans, becoming wild fans, and just getting their insights on what hockey means to the community outside of the traditional fan. Today we have our guest Elon Lozano. In uh, at Mapex Drummer on Twitter, I believe, right, Elon? Yeah, yeah. How's it going, guys? Right. Well, excited to have you here. We'll get to your full introduction here in just a minute. But as always, got to check in on my pals, uh, Justin and Zeke. Zeke, it's just been a uh, you know two days since we chatted, so just a short amount of time. But how have the last couple days gone for you? Oh uh, yeah, no good. Uh, I was just uh, you know not much else you know happening. But uh, as I've told you guys a few times before, I got my uh, pre-show iced coffee in me, so I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, well, we'll watch out for the rambling today, as always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Justin, oh, yeah. how about you, my friend? Good. Started jumping through the hoops of uh, coaching for my son yesterday, and worked today. Put the brought the kids to uh, water park, and uh, now ready to to talk some hockey with Elon. Yeah, a good day is the warm air. Uh, maybe the last blast. We'll see. It always uh, it seems to heat up around the state fair, which is uh, on the horizon as well. So we'll see if that happens again. But like I said, we do have Elon with us. Uh, Elon, we'll have you introduce yourself. Just uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got into – we'll start with just how you got into hockey and then just a little bit of background on uh, on who you are and, and what you like to do and, and things of that nature. So the floor is yours, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, really, me starting to get involved in hockey, I think I would have had to have been five or six, I think. My family was a big part of actually – my mom and grandpa, who were the ones that raised me were big parts of uh, encouraging that, which was awesome. But I, I remember randomly seeing Wayne Gretzky's last game um, was one of the games that I just remember seeing him and Yammer Yager kind of at center mm-hmm. ice, just kind of with the end of the game celebration, which was really cool. Um, kind of cool way to get involved, you know, introduced into hockey a little bit. But the the one game that did it for me uh, was game one of the 99 finals. I just remember Dominic Hoshik standing on his head and just being insane in that game and going like, Every single shot felt like it could go in, and he was stopping everything it felt like. And I just remember um, that really being amazing. Um, and it was one of the rare times that my grandpa got involved in a game. It's really rare. Like, there was that one, um, like the O2 Gophers National Championship game. I remember him sitting down just watching. Um, random games, too. Cause it, like the, uh, I think it was game five of the 08 finals where um, Peter Sikora scored the OT winner. He stayed up the entire night with me, even though he had to get up for work at like 5 a.m. He's like, no, I'm, I'm hooked. Like, let, like, let's finish watching this. Um, but, you know, really for me, probably the start was the Mighty Ducks movies, really. So big shout out to Disney probably on that one. <laughs> yeah, the Mighty Ducks movies are awesome. If you had to pick from the three, which one is your favorite? Oh, I know it's a tough question. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to beat the first one, but I would probably say the second one i probably watched that one the most as a kid all right so i'm gonna blow your mind just just think (laughs) about the plot of the second movie just like in your head it's basically just a kid's version of miracle yeah you know i never thought of it that way yeah wow they get blown out by iceland they're kind of these underdogs and they come out and then the only difference is they beat them in the championship game versus like the semi-final but it's very 
<laughs> very similar plot lines, but maybe that's what makes them true. both so good. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. True. 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 Have you watched the new Disney Plus? The um, God, what's it called? My, uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, I think it's called on Disney Plus. I did. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Yeah. I, it, actually, I actually thought it was really well done. Yeah, I thought especially it was solid. I watched the it fact too. That it, yeah, mm-hmm. especially considering the fact that that really could have tanked if you didn't cast it right. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job with it, and also it was kind of cool that that was the um, kid from that Seth Rogen movie was the like lead actor in it too, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So check that another out if thing, you haven't. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll say another thing you guys might not know. Uh, did you ever notice what the jersey is in the beginning of the first one when Gordon Bombay kind of does the triple deke and, and he hits the post? Did you know what team they lose to? I never saw that. I know they're like the Blades, I think, right? Like the Minneapolis Blades. I saw Duluth East. Oh, shoot. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. I never knew that. That's, I went to Duluth East, and I didn't know that for the longest time. And I was like, when I did see it, I was like, holy holy crap, all these years. And I, I didn't even realize it said Duluth East on the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I never did notice that, but there you go. It's kind of a cool local shout out, at least. You know, at least they did mm-hmm. somewhat something like that. That's kind yeah. of cool. right. Plenty of yeah. callbacks to Minnesota. I love, um, I think in this second one, it's like, oh, it's this huge international tournament in Los Angeles, and like all the filming is done at Pride Ice Garden in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's funny. I've, I'm probably the only one who has never seen a minute of those movies or anything. Dude, what? So I have so, no idea. As soon as we sign off, you got to go watch okay. them. I, yeah. I have been to for about three or four years. But oh, well, now's as good as time as ever. They're they're yeah. awesome. I mean, it's oh, yeah. they're they're old and like, they're cheesy, mm-hmm. but I mean, just yeah. I, I think much like in the way Miracle this has that extra effect on you know people from Minnesota and Boston, I think being mm-hmm. a hockey player in Minnesota, Mighty Ducks just hits a little different because that's yeah. where it takes place. So Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff you'll realize was filmed at the New Hope Ice Arena. I don't know if you've yep, skated yeah. there, but oh yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat too. That's where my son is learning to skate and he's going to be playing hockey. So it's like kind of coming full circle in my life. There I feel like, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and now he's funny. becoming a coach. Maybe he's the next Bombay. Maybe <laughs> that was never good enough to make yeah. the pros. <laughs> I was going to say you're going to get a random tryout with like the Wild. <laughs> yeah, right. Wild for half a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean his name's already Miko. Maybe he's the next Miko for there the Wild. That would be amazing. Be nice. be awesome. <laughs> All right, well, Elon, getting back on track here a little bit, a little tangent to the Ducks, but never a bad thing. Uh, obviously, this is a Wild podcast, and you're and you're a Wild fan as well. So take us through that fandom. We kind of had an introduction into general hockey, but what kind of got you sucked into being a Wild fan? Was it just living in Minnesota? Or was there something else that really kind of drew you in? Honestly, living in Minnesota yeah. was was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of you know finding the sport in '99, and then it's like doing a little bit more research as much as you can as a kid. Kind of wait a minute, we're getting a team. That's awesome. And then, oh, wait, we had a team? What happened? Oh, okay, so the first thing I need to know is Norm Green sucks. Got it. Okay. So, <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the first things I found. I was like, okay, we don't like this guy. I don't know yet. I'll do the research, but we don't like this guy. Got it. Cool. Um, no, but honestly, it it being in Minnesota, that was that was the biggest thing. It's just kind of like sweet. And then it was like randomly catching, again, games when I could, just, you know, during Saturdays when they had them on ABC at that point, which is awesome. I hope that that comes back. Uh, it was a huge part of my childhood. Um but then, like, seeing the 2000 finals, you know, with the Devils and the Stars and going from there and then realizing in my head going, like, oh, wait, yeah, the Wild actually will end up playing their, you know, finally they start playing. And, again, not knowing anything about the team, but just loving loving the team just from, from the jump, just from the mm-hmm. jump. And then, you know, first favorite player was Manny Fernandez for me. Heck and then yeah, man. Quickly I think that was my first yeah. ever jersey was a Manny Fernandez jersey. <laughs> nice. I just found uh-huh. one. I got on a dumb steal on eBay, so I'm really happy about oh, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it was kind of one checked off the bucket list, but then it quickly evolved into Marion Gabrick because, of course, yeah. But honestly, it was just being in Minnesota that was kind of mm-hmm. what got me in in being into being a Wild fan and a hockey fan. And yeah. and again, same thing. Like I said before, my mom and grandpa really encouraged it. They would try to get me down to anything free that that they possibly could, whether it was free practices open at the arena. Uh, I remember meeting after the first season, meeting Manny Fernandez, getting his autograph. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was down at um, Harrod Island, I believe. Okay. I think they had like a like a signing down there, and I was able to meet him, shake his hand, which is really cool for for you know I was ten at the time. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. Wonder what that guy's like, up to nowadays. I feel like I haven't heard a peep yeah. about him in like years. Yeah. The only thing I saw Russo mention recently is he's just not happy with the organization, and I and <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know how he got burned. I don't know if it's just because they traded him because Nick, Nicholas Backstrom took off, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, that kind of sucks. I kind of hope somebody would reach out and get him kind of back involved yeah. with the organization. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, so I'm assuming he won't in. be at the uh, the Winter Classic alumni game. 
Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I would think yeah. that would probably be Dwayne Rollison, I would think. Yeah. Or, or Nick Backstrom. I would think probably those two would come back. Yeah, it could be yeah. both. Yeah, that'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see uh, who they all get back for that. Now that they've got, yeah. you know, 20 years, now you got same to choose him. I assume Walls will be there and Parrish and oh, some yeah. of those some of those names like that, but yeah. It'd be cool to get Gabby be- back. I don't know if he's can even play hockey anymore or not. If he's still uh, yeah, he's still got totally. a bad hamstring or groin or whatever it is, yeah. but yeah, just, apparent, I think his contract Tampa? just ran out this year. Tampa <laughs> just had his contract, and there, I think it was I forget who they traded for recently. That's on LTIR, but it was basically to replace Gabrick's contract that was on LTIR, so could, they could go uh, over the cap. Seabrook, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah was... they traded for him. It was a random like side deal that people kept forgetting about. They're like, wait a minute, he's on Tampa now. I thought he was yeah. on Ottawa last. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, they traded for his LTIR mm-hmm. so they could get get mm-hmm. uh, get some. Cap help. <laughs> Two-time was, cup was... champion, sort of, kind of, not really. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. I wonder if they'll <laughs> send him a ring. Just kind of like, hey, thanks for the help. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, thanks for the cap relief. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not name yeah, on the yeah. cup, but here's a ring. <laughs> well, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, just put, he, like, yeah. an MG just at the tail end of it. <laughs> yeah. We've done the cup. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny because he uh, posted on Instagram after they won this year and said, uh, I was happy to help or something like that. <laughs> the picture of Eric Chernock, so it was pretty good. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Elon, I got a question. What's been your uh, favorite memory as a Wild fan or maybe just a fan of hockey in general? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, uh, for the be... Wild, for me, it's not even close. It's Andrew Burnett when he scored that mm. overtime goal against the Avs. I remember just so funny. It was game four. Um, Randall was out after the I mean, Sometimes and I would just go – um, cause it kind of warmer weather. So we'd go just kind of around like, um, kind of around the lakes in Minneapolis just to have like a mm-hmm. nice kind of late drive. It's cooler weather. It's just kind of a nice feel. And it's after that game and I'm kind of down in the dumps. My family's like, let's just go. Let's just, let's see if we'll have some fun, you know, just kind of just relax. Just forget about it. I was like, all right, all right. We're down three, one in the series. And I see two abs fans walking across the street. And me thinking, you know, at 12, I'm just this little <laughs> badass kid somewhat <laughs> yelling out the window as soon as the light hits green. Colorado's gonna bite the dust, and they give me the finger, not realizing I'm a kid. <laughs> as we just speed away, um, just, there's a lot of memories with that, and just kind of like at that point, it just kind of was amazing. Just to kind of all of a sudden we came back and we weren't supposed to. It just mm-hmm. remembering watching Game Five, remembering. Um, so here's a blast from the past: is uh, 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 Pascal Dupuis. Just I remember he just let a bomb of a slap shot go, and it just beat Wall just beat him clean and i'm going like okay maybe we have a chance and and the, one of the memories i have of the older teams in like the first five years of the team's existence you were not going to outwork that team i, I don't care how no. much skill was on the other side mm-hmm. that was the one thing that i kind of think i've missed over the last six or seven yeah. years kind of before this season mm-hmm. i almost feel like is we don't outwork teams anymore like i, I don't care if we lose eight nothing if i know we put in that 110 percent max effort i'm never going to be mad at the team but all of those teams, they knew how hard they had to work. They they mm-hmm. knew they had to scratch, fright, fright, fight, and claw for every bit of inch of ice out there. And it was just it was just awesome to watch and just living that whole series. When I, I still see that goal, I still see it in highlights or, yep. or wherever. Or even someone posted on YouTube the entire game seven, which is amazing, and I've rewatched it a couple times. <laughs> um, but every time I see that goal, I get the exact same chill down my spine. And right. I same remember here. being twelve yeah. and just couldn't help it, just tears of joy like my mom comes over and gives me a hug she's like why are you crying you should be happy i'm like i am happy like it's tears, tears of joy, tears of joy. <laughs> like, i just remember being yeah. 12 and just, yeah yeah and just like oh man just it was just what an amazing time um but overall kind of hockey memories i mean i remember seeing um this, this one was kind of cool seeing ray bork get a cup um yep you know mm-hmm. kind of uh that that's one that really sticks out too um dominic Hashik for me especially being one of my favorite players mm-hmm. um growing up seeing him finally get a cup in o2 with detroit was was really awesome so well I'm, i guess just my question is you know you, you know you were mentioning the 2003 one what was that like you know that whole playoff run aside because you know i'm as a fan because you know i mean like you guys know i was probably one and a half two years old then so i have no memory anything <laughs> 2008 passed but I mean, what was just, what was that whole run like, you know, being, still being a new team, being a new fan and all that, just like, how much aside from the Colorado series, how much was that just, how, how just, how much fun was just the whole, like, you know, a couple months there? Amazing. I, I still think that that's probably the best playoff experience I've mm-hmm. had as a fan. Um, yeah. Just because it, it just was, they just wouldn't die. Like, that was mm-hmm. the thing. It was like, no matter what team they were against, no matter who were they playing that, that year alone. 
um, they just wouldn't quit. And they just kept getting on these streaks of just like, no, nah, they're not going to lose games. And then I think Wes Walls had mentioned it in a DVD too. And I think from, from a fan's perspective, we kind of felt the same way. They had a back-to-back shutout with, I think, I think it was both Roley and Manny both got starts, but they had back-to-back shutouts against the Flyers. And the Flyers had Ronick and Lind, uh, or not Lindros at that point, uh, uh, Leclerc, yeah. Recky. I mean, they were they were a pretty loaded team, um, still at that point. I mean, they. I mean, I think it was just uh, uh, the next season they had gone um, to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Lightning. They were a pretty stacked team. Um, kind of random thought, just kind of funny. For a while, they had like a revolving carousel of goalies like the Vikings had revolving carousel of quarterbacks kind of for a stretch there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just remember that kind of going like, okay, this team could could do something, like do something in the playoffs. And then it was just kind of enjoying every single second of it, no matter, you know, it's just kind of like, all right, well, we weren't supposed to make it past the first one, but we did. All right, so now everything's just kind of like, well, they, they could do something. They really could. Um, and just, man, J.S. Shiger, I, I can't help but have a, a small oh little disdain for him still to this day. It's just like, man, talk about going off in a series. Just like, Freaking man, oversized pads. One... Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> Cheater. Uh, but at the same time, too, I'm sitting there just going like, yeah, it's so hard because I don't want to be bitter. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think with Minnesota yeah. sports, it's kind of hard not to be to a certain degree. But but no, I, I still look back on it and just kind of go like, no, I only really think about the first two rounds, kind of mm-hmm. really, and just yeah. kind of just really enjoy those and like no, it was just an amazing year. It was funny enough that like, that was the the first time I actually got to go to a game was that season, and it was the last game before the playoffs. So um, it was cool just to see Marion Gabrick hit his thirtieth goal. I remember mm-hmm. that just being at the mm-hmm. game. It was against the Blue Jackets. I think it was. I want to say it was like the seventh of April. I think. But um, yeah, no, it was, it's it's just yeah, it, it's it was it's so hard to describe just because it was mm-hmm. such an amazing feeling. I, I honestly think at this point the only thing I could cap it would probably be a cup. I think yeah. at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, well, the that's... fact that we came down from three one twice was was insane, and mm-hmm. uh, just like you, that was the the first the year I went to my first game. But unfortunately, it was against uh, the Ducks in the conference finals, and we just got smashed. But oh. uh, yeah, that that year was insanely fun. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one been... thing I remember just no go, go ahead. ahead, go for it. I was it. gonna say the one thing I remember sticking out though too was. Um, it was such a weird rebound, but Gabbert getting that rebound out front, I think there was like less than 10 minutes to go in the third, and he stretches further back for a back, and I'm going, man, if you just let that go quicker, you score that goal, there's no overtime, we have a shot in the series, and I just, that was the one play I kept replaying in my head, and I'm just going like, ah, oh, like, and if that's not the epitome of Minnesota sports, of just like, that <laughs> close, that close, and it's just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, all right, kind of you, like, all right, I'm getting the crash course kind of of this a little bit, how this feels just from a hockey standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. R- rumor has it that's what started uh, the universal shoot chance from the Minnesota Wild fan. It was that, it was that particular <laughs> situation. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was seven years old during that playoff run, so I don't remember like a lot of it, but like I remember all the big moments. I remember the Richard Park goal. I remember the Bruno goal. Those are like my earliest wild memories, which mm-hmm. aren't the worst of the earliest memories to have. So no. probably a little yeah. bit better than the ones that Zeke has because uh, yeah, <laughs> you said your yours is like 2008, and that team. I think that was a yeah. team that was just absolutely miserable, yeah. if I recall correctly. Yeah. So God, I, every yeah, time we talk could. about stuff like this, I feel <laughs> old because I was. I think I was in high school when that series was when that that year. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was just finishing. I was a junior in high school. Grade. Yeah, yeah I, I was in uh, sixth grade during that 03 run. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into, you know, some of those more hard-hitting questions. So your background is a Mexican-American, and, you know, that's probably not the typical demographic that the NHL and the Wild maybe try to appeal to or that, you know, even that are a lot of players, you know, that kind of come from that community. So what is your perception of what hockey is like for Mexican-Americans, for the Latino community, and just and kind of that general scope of things? Yeah, um, on that one, it's a little bit of a loaded question. I can answer it just from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine's going to definitely be a little bit more locally based more than, sure. more than kind of things like it would be Los Angeles. I just, obviously with the demographic there and even Vegas to a certain degree, there's a, a little bit more outreach, um, just kind of celebrating like Dia de los Muertos, things like that. Um, uh, or just even Hispanic heritage Month, just even having some acknowledgement even for that. Uh, but mm-hmm. from, from my perspective here, um, 
almost to a certain degree as far as the outreach goes it's a little bit close to non-existent um which is really disappointing because i i live extremely close to excel i i literally live five minutes Lucky um, from excel so yeah yeah <laughs> um on a good day i could hit it with a golf ball um that's how close we live <laughs> but it's literally just across the river just being here on the west side of saint paul so it wouldn't take too much effort for them to to really have outreach and, and again it kind of they'll do the things of You'll see Nordy around, you know, uh, around Secret of Mile, you know, kind of things like that. Um, we even have an ice rink over here, but it, I don't see a ton of outreach from the wild as far as kind of kind of um, social projects or even even just getting involved with players in like the um, mm -hmm. the local rec center we have over here. So um, even a couple of years ago, the Minnesota Twins came over here and rebuilt both ballparks that we have over here, and kind of as like their community with like their I think it's called like a. Um, adopt a adopt a diamond or something like that that they have yeah, cool. for their program um and they're all the way in minneapolis not even five yeah. minutes from from the arena um you know it, it would be amazing to see anybody come down here you know um kind of hate to almost always put it on his shoulders but dumba would be really cool uh, to mm -hmm. see him come down here but even somebody like felino or spurgeon just have you know one of those bigger bigger team leaders that you know has has a letter or will have a letter um on their on their jersey would be an amazing amazing thing just to have down here you know and it's it's 20th season you know it's just kind of at this point it's kind of you know there should be a bit more outreach than there is um yeah. to give credit where credit's due they did come out over here for for national night out and they did bring some you know nordy came down but they did bring some like outdoor like you know for the kids to play kind of um a little bit more of a uh, hockey just on, on kind of the concrete they set up goals and, and like the makeshift boards and things like that for kids to play which again cool but you know i know we're kind of at the tail tail end at least maybe and hopefully more in minnesota but just kind of tail end of the pandemic so i understand that being a concern but to even send on a couple players would have been really cool just to have them make an appearance down there mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha who who would you say is a, a player if you even want to go beyond that and like a, a team that you think is really doing the right things to help you know grow the game of hockey um, through through you know the right avenues and do, doing things the right way in in your mind from from where you come from. Yeah, um, mentioned his name already, but Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba is probably the best example we have in the NHL, and that's not. I won't I won't say that as me being biased with him being my favorite player right now, and and with with um, mm -hmm. with uh, how much he's actually done just for the community. But no, he he really genuinely cares. You can you can just tell yeah. with the steps he's taken. Genuinely, I really feel like we're lucky to have him. Um, just a part of the team. Um, you know, I, I, I would say Seattle, even though they're, they're finally officially a team, mm -hmm. um, they've taken a lot of the right steps really just with the type of, of hires that they've had, um, with like JT Brown, um, getting their involvement. They were one of the first teams to really get involved with Black Rose Hockey Club, um, to really take the get uncomfortable pledge to, um, with them. Um, I know the Penguins were one, um, I would have said Carolina before this past. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before this past free agency, <sighs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, essentially, you get the vibe that Black Rose Hockey Club kind of going like, "Yeah, you said that, but we're kind of <laughs> taking back your <laughs> your pledge a little bit." Um, but yeah, that, those would be kind of the two. Just really dumb. But I mean, just again with the initiative he really did just this past winter with trying to get more inner city kids involved in the game and trying to get gear, them gear and playing time and ice time and just even teaching them the game. Um, it's just really, really an amazing thing. Um, I would say I wish I would see a little bit more from a player like Austin Matthews, just just mm -hmm. him being Mexican American as well, um, from my perspective. Um, but then again, he has done some interviews. He has talked about it. I know. Um, funny enough, it's one of the the bigger things that the NHL has kind of done when it came to Hispanic Heritage Month was an interview that did. I think it was. Um, uh, I can't remember who the the uh, the guy was from. Um, from Sportsnet in Canada, but they did an interview with him, which I thought was really cool, just talking about his culture, his background a bit, um, with his mom as well, too. Um, but again, it, it's just kind of like, it, it almost seems like it's the bare minimum. It keeps kind of mm -hmm. coming back to that same thing, whether it's the NHL, yeah. whether it's multiple teams, it's just you kind of do the bare minimum to kind of keep from getting flack. And even just from a business perspective of just getting new eyes on the game, I, yeah. I don't understand why there's just such a lack of outreach. I mean, our money is just as green. <laughs> you know, yeah, really right. at that point, at the end of the day, I mean, if we're going to, you know, buy merch, I mean, I've got a jersey collection that's that's over 50 mm -hmm. at this point. Um, you know, um, I've spent full price on jerseys just because I love a player. And, you know, same thing, you know, with the Kaprizov jersey I have. Um, the two of them, I went and just, you know, spent full full price just at, mm -hmm. at the Hockey Lodge. 
um, instead of, you know, trying to find a better deal someplace else just because like, no, I want the jersey now. You know, it's just when it's to that point of I have to have it. So um, personally, me too, like I'm a season ticket holder for the team, you know, at that point too. So it's just like if, if you know, we're, we are passionate people, <laughs> mm-hmm. me Mexican people, um, it, but we love hard, really, really do. So, I mean, it's just kind of getting kids involved as, as early as possible. I mean, it just, it, it would be amazing just to kind of see them have outreach over here and not to kind of crap on a city like Edina, but Edina's got enough outreach. I mean, their, their rank for their high school team is better than half of the NHL, mm-hmm. you know, but the, I see like the wild doing a little bit more outreach with a place like Edina um, or Fridley than they would here. And we're a lot closer. I mean, especially after a practice, I mean, you got also two ranks that you could donate time to, you know, less than five minutes away from a neighborhood with a bunch of kids over here. Be a great idea just to get them on the ice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm going to speak kind of like in general with hockey. I think, I think one of the problems is it's so damn expensive to play. And I'm not talking about like anyone in specific, but it makes it harder for maybe people. I'm not saying like you're low income, but like just in general, low income families, like how are those yeah. kids, you know, if they really want to play, they make it very hard for it to play. And, and I think like you mentioned, Edina has the outreach and I, I've, been volunteering my time mandatory volunteer time even though i love doing it for like my son's hockey they were talking about how like cooper armstrong has you know they're trying to find more cultural diversity in the game and stuff and it's just harder because it's maybe a little more lower income than like say dina or eden prairie or something so just makes it tougher on the kids and their families. Yeah, you look yeah, at things yeah, like especially inner city area. Yeah, equipment, mm-hmm. ice time, all that stuff just gets incredibly mm-hmm. expensive. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. When I, I started to learn how to skate a, a couple of years ago, and the skates I got were and they're they're they were on clearance, and they were kind of intermediate as far as the quality, and it was still three hundred bucks. Yeah, skates mm-hmm. and, and skates it's just are like, insane. Yeah, it's yeah. just like geez, like and I know the production cost of those is not that yeah. high, uh, but. It, that's one thing too, where I kind of feel like it, the wild could support four to six mm-hmm. teams or even reach out to CCM or Bauer or warrior and say, Hey, would you guys donate an entire set of gear for six teams? I mean, for both sides of it, it would be a tax write off, let alone just on a business mm-hmm. standpoint. But yeah, again, yeah. you're getting new eyes on the yeah. game, fresh eyes on the game. Yeah. They keep complaining about having to compete with the NFL, the NBA, yeah. you know, and it's just like, you're shooting yourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how, like it just from the NBA standpoint alone, Look at them and seeing like how much outreach they've done. Granted, it's a lot cheaper to play basketball. I mean, you literally just need a basketball and you got a hoop down the block and you've got playing time. Mm-hmm. But it, but again, just to kind of set up those programs, just with with how expensive the game is, M- money is a huge factor in it. Yeah. It's unfortunate to a certain degree, but but you know, there, there's a couple things that you could do um, to really get things going. One would be presence. Two would be money, mm-hmm. um, and then that would. All of that would lead to three, which is representation, you know, and yeah. it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be on the ice. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you get these kids playing and they play Division One hockey, uh, they get a, a full scholarship. You never know. You could be looking at the next team doctor for the team, you know, for the wild yeah. or for the Kings yeah. or whoever. You could be looking at someone getting into broadcasting. You know, you never know, you know, you know, when uh, when uh, LaPanta's done, <laughs> we could have somebody that's just <laughs> from our own backyard like he is, mm-hmm. though, but from right here and, you know, over here. You never you can depend on the next Wayne Gretzky or the yeah, next Bill Guerin. Speaking of anybody who's Latino who's in the NHL, which is awesome that we have him as our general manager. Um, but yeah, I mean, you never know. You could have somebody who's the next you know GM of the team, you know, who gets involved in the analytics department. You never know what this kind of outreach could have. Even if they yeah. don't get involved in hockey, even if they end up going in some sort of business or become a doctor that doesn't have anything to do with hockey, that you know, season ticket holder right there. That's still money coming back to you. You know, it's investing in the team at yeah. that point. And I think. You know, I think that's, you know, as you mentioned, that's kind of the disappointing thing is it wouldn't take, you know, a ton to really a huge investment in a sense for them, even, you know, even if they they wanted to, to really, like you mentioned, to do any sort of outreach to fund games or gear for kids or anything like that. Like it doesn't, that wouldn't take, as you mentioned, compared to, you know, what, you know, the amount of money that they have is like a billion dollar business to do that. And I think, you know, you brought examples. I mean, the other one, as you mentioned, with Austin Matthews being a Mexican American too. I mean, you know, if you never have hockey team in Arizona, just the, that that you know that led to him being a you know one of the best players in the league, and and, and being kind of a little bit of that representation. So I think, it, like kind of like you mentioned, that's just that's just the, the kind of the thing I took away there is that it wouldn't you know you could obviously the teams should go more the extra mile and do more, but it really 
it really would not take, it doesn't take, you know, all this, uh, like a huge absolute effort to just, as you mentioned, to just uh, do any sort of outreach or anything that could, you know, that's going to have positive impacts on, you know, people of all, you know, of all areas from everywhere. Just, I think that's just the, this, the kind of just thing I just kind of think of is it doesn't, it doesn't take a ton really to just, you know, get people started and then you never know, like you said. Yeah, you no, know, I mean, it could even, like I said, just take as much as having someone like Felino, Fiala, Kaprizov, somebody just come to mm -hmm. the neighborhood over here and, just, you yeah. know, sign autographs or just play, play with the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just sit there and just, you know, show them some moves. You know what I mean? Like, show them how to stick mm -hmm. handle. Show them, you know, yeah, just right. different things like that just would make a huge difference. Like I said, for me, when I was 10 years old, meeting Manny Fernandez was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. just to have that come down here even to get an autograph or shake somebody's hand and just kind of go like no i'm gonna watch this sport like they came and took the time to come down here and say hi at the very least mm -hmm. you know just even that little bit and it honestly makes it even that much more disappointing just considering the fact of what happened last year with george floyd and, and his murder and you really think just with the wild being the home you know kind of the you know happening mm -hmm. in our own backyard that they would be on top of taking more initiative kind of you know like the Twins and the Timberwolves and, and even the Vikings. And it's just like, and even the United, really, you know, the soccer mm -hmm. team, like they're all t doing a little bit more as far as outreach and the wild. They're kind of yeah. like, okay, well, here's, here's the one event we're doing. And, you know, I, I hope, I honestly hope they have more planned. I really, really do. I really do. Yeah, I think another thing they can look at too is, you know, obviously we talked about how expensive it is to play ice hockey, but there are other alternatives. You know, there's things like, you know, street hockey, ball hockey, whatever you want to call it, that, and all you need for that is you know some street hockey sticks, two nets, and a ball. I mean, get kids out there. Yeah. I mean, you you put that. I mean, didn't gym class? You do you do floor hockey. You do field hockey. I mean, there are other ways that if you even if people understand the general idea of hockey, they can become fans that way too. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I think you know if you're looking for a, a more cheaper option and you know maybe something that appeals to, to to different groups of people, I think that's another option to go that I you know I don't really see. But you go to places like the state fair or or have you like you put you put hockey sticks in a ball and you know twelve year old hands and they'll go they'll go ham right like they don't they don't care they get a, they get a whack a ball yeah. on it you know it's fun so and you, you know stuff you do in gym class too so I think even little things like that can go a long way too and as as you allude to Lance just it just seems like there isn't enough there is enough behind that kind of pushing things like that forward. Yeah, 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 and 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 again, it's it's just hockey culture in and of itself. I feel like is twenty, thirty years behind almost other sports to a certain degree. Um, you know, they're becoming more aware. You know, the the outreach that Luke Prokop got was amazing. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. kind of change that you do want to see. Um, but again, it's kind of like kind of almost like Matt Dumba. I can't. I hate kind of using the same name, but he's been mm -hmm. the best example of it of kind of putting. Yeah. Uh, you know, your money where your mouth is really at that point, uh, whether it's teams, whether it's the league itself, just kind of doing these things a little bit more. It, you know, I, somebody once told me I uh, doing kind of just talking just uh, with another Mexican American fan. And she just had said that her dad at one point said, I don't know why you love a sport so much that doesn't love you back as much. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that just really struck home with me kind of like, man, that's, that's yeah. I, I definitely can relate to that and can definitely, I definitely feel that. I definitely understand that feeling to a certain degree because it's just, you know, I, I, I feel like just as a fan, it's just, I mean, like, I can't tell you how many times I've been, you know, I got to go to bed by one o'clock, but I got an hour, so I'll just kind of do some, like, looking, like, at advanced stats, like, randomly, mm -hmm. just before I jumped on the call, was trying to find, like, Marco Rossi's faceoff percentage in his two years in the OHL. Couldn't find it, but I'm sitting here looking. Like, those kind of things will end up being, the next thing I know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, I'm going to be a wreck yeah. work in the morning. But, <laughs> and it was worth it. I found out all the info that yeah. I wanted to find out, you know, at that mm -hmm. point. But that's that's the type of fan I am is I'll, I'll spend hours yeah. just looking up different facts just because I love the sport, you know. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking to someone who spends, you know, half hour to 45 minutes after every game to put, you know, yeah. <laughs> cards together to post on Twitter that have no monetary value and that, you know, 20 people actually look at. But again, it's just like you said, it's because I love the game. Yeah, yeah. I still no. think you can make money off of it. By the uh, way, no. thank you for doing that for oh, no a problem. lot of us because mm -hmm. it's, 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 it helps a lot kind of understand a little bit more of kind of like, oh, they look like they had a game. No, no, they played like shit apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You know, that, that's the biggest feedback I've gotten from is I think just like, it's it's got people to help them understand analytics and you know what what things to look for and that was ultimately my goal because going into last year like I I was in the same boat as a lot of fans like I knew what analytics were like I'd heard of them I you know I'd heard the stuff but mm -hmm. I didn't really understand them and I you know I kind of sat there and after I took the time to 
you know, when quarantine hit, I'm like, well, I got time to do something here. Uh, you know, let's, <laughs> let's learn my analytics. So I would I was reading articles and watching videos and, and, and reading blogs and different things like that. And I'm like, all right, I think this is something I understand. I'm like, now how can I put this into, you know, because I'm a very visual learner. And I'm like, all right, how can I teach what I learned to other people very simply? And I think um, now that's the most rewarding part of it is I get you know, feedback. Like, hey, these are really helpful. Like, thanks for doing this. And I, you know, stuff like that too. So that was, it's really cool feedback. So I, I'm, I'm glad people enjoy them. I'll, I'll keep doing them as long as people keep liking them. So. Yeah, and that's yeah, the great thing is we're we're all fans like that like you know like zeke does his writing and and i'll spend uh after the kids are in bed and the wife's in bed and the, you know an hour on some nights doing the prospects page and just mm-hmm. trying to find everything that happened with our prospects and it's just you know we're all coming together to basically do the same thing yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it's i will say like the kind of group we have on on twitter is is amazing just kind of like the wild fan base that oh, we're wild, all kind wild of twitter's great just, Not, most of the time yeah, for the for the most part i was gonna say for the most <laughs> just don't go into russo's mentions <laughs> no no that's, that's where the bad fans are too oh, yeah. The angry yeah, ones. yeah um but yeah no it, it's that's that is kind of the amazing thing that's what i was gonna say i know i'd mentioned it before but it's definitely something i want to do is kind of have a get together when when Maybe I, I'm thinking kind of towards maybe the beginning of next season. It'd be amazing. I don't know if there's a way to like run out Tom Reeds or something and just kind of have us all get together for like a preseason road game or something and watch it from there. But something like that would be really awesome just to kind of be able to finally mm-hmm. meet in person a lot of people, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Knows we uh, we have connections with the Wild, so maybe we can put something together and, and get like a wild Twitter watch party together uh, at the Excel Energy Center at some point. Like at the <laughs> X or something. You know, it's a $10 ticket. It's just a chance for you know wild Twitter to come in and meet one another and watch the game. I think that'd be sweet. You know, sell it like the and then lower donate bowl. the money down cool. here to the local Rex. There you go. There we go. There there you go. go. Look at that. See, <laughs> See? Uh-huh. hire us for the wild marketing department. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, Elon, I I kind of pulled this out to you on, on our direct messaging. Is there anything pressing wild related you want to talk about that you want to rant about? Because uh, that's what we do on Sound the Foghorn is, is we rant about the wild. So um, is, is there any topic that you want to run by us so we can rant here as we got, you know, kind of 15 minutes here before we kind of wrap up? Yeah. The the one thing that I kind of want to mention, um, I don't know if it's so much a rant. I think I'm just going to going to say it now. I think Marco Rossi makes the opening night roster. Ooh, bold take. Yeah. Bold yeah, take. I, I really, so. really do. Just I I cannot recall the last time seeing a player with that much determination back out like just to not only get back out on the ice but just like hasn't he been like didn't he change his diet when he was like eleven or twelve years old hmm. to be an NHL player or what, something like what, that? Wouldn't was, shock me. Yeah, yeah there, yeah, there was something amazing. Right. I'm going like, man, at twelve years old, I, I was watching hockey just like <laughs> eating ice cream every night while watching the game. Like, I can't <laughs> imagine just being on that restrictive of a diet like at like twelve. So. Just for him, just to have that determination alone from there. But just seeing him on the ice, he looks like, if anything, he's gained a few steps, hasn't lost a step, mm-hmm. just with his whole whole bout with COVID, and mm-hmm. which is awesome just to see on a human level. Just I'm glad he's he's 100% healthy and can can play the sport mm-hmm. he obviously loves so much. But I I just think he won't be denied. I just think he's going to get mm-hmm. to camp, and Bill Guerin and Judd Brackett are going to look at him, and and Dean Evison are going to look at him and just go. Pfft, Put him in the lineup. He's he's too good. Just we'll start him on the third line for now. Yep. I kind of feel like him and Goudreau eventually will, will kind of flip flop um, spots, um, and and have some sort of combination. I think of um, I I would think he'd be really good between Boldy and Fiala, really really good between Boldy and Fiala. Um, but um, and I and I kind of think Eck needs to play with because he's he's a little bit bigger. Um, and I I I think way far ahead more than I probably should. But I'm thinking playoffs. <laughs> Kind of when you get in the lineup and you kind of have two smaller guys being like a Kaprizov and a, and a Zuccarello, I think they need a bigger center. Like, uh, unfortunately, I don't think you could have Rossi. It'd be short Kings line for sure, but just kind of, <laughs> kind of thinking like short Kings line. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but uh, by the way, if they are a line, I want credit for creating that name. <laughs> but uh, no, but uh, no, I, I honestly think just kind of more playoff time. They need a bigger body, and I think it would be really good for for Eck to get some some definitely some top six time. So I think at some point, yeah. maybe halfway through the year, you'd probably see Rossi and Eck as the one too. So the funny thing is, we kind of talked about this on uh, a couple of days ago when we recorded, talked about lines a little bit, and, and that's kind of similar to what we brought up. I remember. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he can make the night uh, roster opening night too, and just. Going back, did you guys get to read that interview I posted on Prospects at all? I read the oh, quotes that, that you post. I didn't read yeah. through the whole article. Give, give us, give us the cliff notes, man. I mean, basically, 
I read what I could at work, but the fact that he sounds, looks and feels like he's stronger than he was before, I didn't think mm-hmm. that was possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think I could be more in Elon's boat now knowing that you know, he is going to get a chance to, you know, basically have two training camps going to the to the uh, uh, Austrian Olympic. Olymp- Olympic training camp and then playing through the Olympic trials as well and then come over to Minnesota. I, I think that makes me a little more optimistic. I think in my head, I like in, in my head, if it were me, like if he looks ready, I'd play him. But I it just like just seeing how they treated Boldy last year. There's just like this like ingrained doubt in the back of my mind. Like, now nah, they're not going to let this guy play on mm-hmm. night one. But and it's yeah. and it's going to be at the you know because of like oh we don't want to scratch Victor Rask or you know something stupid like that right <laughs> <Rasky>. so <laughs> like th- that that's like where like I'm like pulling like where I stand on the situation is like my what I want to happen versus like my somewhat realistic expectations mm-hmm. of what will happen like that's that's where I really you know pull myself back and forth on it. Yeah, well, I think the you know the key thing is you would say to the team is that you know if you put him in the lineup and it's two weeks and he's not he looks like he needs more time down in Iowa, then you can just send him down there for two months. Like you know he's a nineteen year old kid. Uh, you don't you know obviously like like Brett meant, you mentioned you know they obviously see him. Bill Guerin seems to have that belief in the minor league system, you know, and basically in paying your dues or in that way, I guess. But uh, you know it's not you know they got time with him. Uh, it's not the you know you don't have to rush him either way. But uh, you know I I don't know I. I, I don't know. I just feel like from what I've seen, it seems like X is going to get the chance in the top line with Capri Sabin Zuccarello, like Elon mentioned. So I think uh, mm-hmm. if, you know, I doubt if I, I doubt that they would want to put two rookies on the same line. Cause just like you mentioned, I don't, you know, it doesn't seem like something they would do, but um, I'm, I'm all for any of that because uh, that's just untapped upside there that you just, you never know. Right. And, uh, and the fact that we, we, we haven't picked up that big center that, uh, that we want maybe another factor. And I also think if he does maybe start in Iowa, uh, he won't be there long, maybe like 20 games, get him used to playing games again, even though he's going to be doing the Olympic stuff. But uh, I think if, if he doesn't end up on the lineup right away, it could be like a quarter of the way through the season that he does. Real quick, no, no pressure, Marco Rossi, if you hear this. N- none yeah. at all. Well, he, <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a known listener. We know he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I, I just kind of was thinking really at the same time, too. It's like I, I definitely agree with that. That's why I think they would give him some time just kind of being in that third life center, let him get used to kind of having some vet kind of presence around him, too, um, with Felino and, and Greenwich to kind of get him more active. That'd be hilarious to, on that face. It'd be like, it'd be like <laughs> that six, 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 five, nine, six, four. It'd be great. It'd be like, hey, you want to touch Marco Rossi? Like, Prepared to die. Uh, yeah, yeah, the... that would be fantastic. <laughs> Protecting the rookie would take on a whole new meaning. That would be fantastic. No. It almost um, be like a reception bar line. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say one quick note that I don't know if you guys even know. Um, I did notice that uh, it was Cap Friendly had put up that Marco Rossi that the, it didn't burn the first year of his contract last year. So yeah, just kind of with like the cap some injury situation. exemption, I think clause that's in there. Oh, okay. So yeah, so thanks. Oh, at least in that sense, it it you know for the cap hit we're about to incur, you know endure. It it did mm-hmm. put it off for another year, but. I think if I'm not wrong at that point, I think it's after year, I think going into year four, which is kind of perfect, Zuccarello's contract's up. Yep. So mm-hmm. there's six mil right there that, hey, Rossi, if you're, you know, yeah. he hits like we think he's going to, hey, here's a six mil, you know, <laughs> just shift mm-hmm. it right over yeah. to him. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any well, other? Oh, go ahead. I'll say they definitely seem like they have a plan. Uh, maybe not a lot of fans see it, have some of that tunnel vision. I'm sure a lot of fans do see it, but. Uh, I'm starting to see possibly like the big picture of things, like just mm-hmm. trying to be patient and seeing how pieces of the puzzle come together. Just, yeah, I just think Bill Guerin is one of those guys that that doesn't do things just to do things and has things well thought out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cup contenders well, aren't built in in one off season. Yeah. No. no, to the well, dismay of of the Wild fans that believe it is. It's the and then when when you try it, you get the 2016 Wild, and you make a bad trade, and then tank your chemistry and then god. lose to Jake Allen in the first round. So Oh god, yeah. let's not go there. We don't we don't need to Says the guy who posted the meme about it. I'm sorry. I watched <laughs> I watched back those games like Why would you do that regular. to yourself? Why man? would you I was just gonna say I, what are you doing? I guess that's a little bit of a sucker for pain there thing, but I still I you know might have to change the title of the podcast to Wild yeah. Therapy. The Glutton for Punishment podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Just, I still watched 
I don't, like I said, I have problems. I, I like to watch back highlights of random ass things. And I watch Kaprizov Kyle goal clip, like, you know, once a day, probably at least I'll go through. But it's that's still just I remember, I mean, I was probably a young, naive, you know, ninth grader who thought, oh, everything's great. I didn't have the Minnesota sports fan influence yet because I wasn't really on Twitter. So, you know, I I just so believed in that team. I had a little bit like Elon mentioned that 2003 team that I just thought they could do anything. And oh my God, I'm, did you guys see that that trend yesterday? I can't remember who posted it. If there was one move your GM could you could undo, what would you do? And like Brett mentioned, if they don't make that Hansel move, I just think I think we're that whole playoffs is different. And I you know I don't think we're talking about Nashville in there. And it's still still angry. It's still just so irritating because you know when you see people going, well, they were never contenders in that kind of era. Which I I still truly think to this day that that team was. They were one of the top teams in that league, and and sorry, I know. Sorry, I have to bring it up and PTSD with all you, all the Wild fans. But it's yeah, so, it's, no, I, it's so. it's it's Hala in the lineup. I mean, he he yeah. was really yeah. on a hot streak, and he just kind of just again one bad game, and you just make a reactionary mm -hmm. move, and it's just like, yeah. Ugh. I think like, that was the year well, that it was the Nino Hala Pominville line, right? That was just like uh, absolutely destroying everyone. Was it was it that year? I think that was I think that was the previous was one. The and previous, then I think, okay. I think that year was the Koibu yeah, Granlin uh, Zucker was the great Oh, yeah, line. that line was sick. Because that was when Granlin, Granny broke out finally that year, I think. Right. And the Wild lost out on uh, Pierre Oliver Joseph. That was the player that got, got taken with their pick, who I believe yeah. debuted and this year for Pittsburgh. But there's also names like Ryan Paling, Jake Ottinger, Morgan Frost, uh, Ely Tolvanen, Klim Kostin, <sighs> uh, Connor Timmins, Nick Hag. Yes, Taking a little later, but Maxime Comtois. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jason Robertson well, hey, was uh, we got, in there. We got, uh, we got 20 games of Ryan White as well. So, Jeez, you know, it was, <laughs> uh, that was that one made no freaking sense either. So. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm not going to lie to you. The same kind of vibes I kind of got with some of the proposed like Eichel trades that we heard, I got the same vibe as like the Hansel trade. And it was just strictly from the injury standpoint, mm -hmm. which made me kind of, I'm like, I'm getting the same gut feeling when that trade kind of went through. It was kind of like, for half a second, I was like, okay, yeah, no, yeah. And you look at his dates, okay, maybe. And then you look in more and you kind of, uh. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't have the neck issue, I don't have a problem at all with the Eichel trade. But yep, it's just, yeah. no matter which route with surgery you go with, that was kind of one thing for me. Kind of, but speaking of the topic you brought up, I, I would probably, the move I would take, redo uh, if I was GM, uh, would probably take Carey Price over Ben Wapiliot. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good Jeez. one, too. Holy cow. I remember hearing an interview where Carey Price thought he was coming to Minnesota. Yeah, he was like, know, it was yeah. pretty much just like a guaranteed conclusion at that point. I forget yeah. who it was ahead of us that didn't take him. It might have been the Ducks, yeah. maybe. But he's like, yeah, I'm going well, to Minnesota. <laughs> well, maybe so, Jesper Wallstead turns into that been. Carey Price for us. Uh, he'll be yeah. better. Well, I yeah, told we're you, better. <laughs> I told you yeah. guys about our podcast though from you know January when we were just like, yeah, we don't think there's any chance he's available, but. It was we were right too. So. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised Eiserman took Casa over. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah. Every, I think everyone was. I but I, I, I'm wondering I, if it's because I wonder if he just, yeah, I wonder if it's because they traded for Ned. I wonder if it, that was kind of the reason. Like, yeah, we've got a goalie who could be the future for for a while. We'll give him time to develop. Maybe. For me, it wasn't even that. It's like for like the history that Eiserman has of like drafting Swedish-born Swedish. players, right? It's like the, yeah. like it it seemed like such a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, like like this mm -hmm. has to be Wallstead. Like he's Swedish. He's a goalie. And then all of a sudden it was Kosa. I was like, what the hell? And then like Edmonton, you're like, ah, oh, Edmonton needs a goalie. And then they traded the pick. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ken Holland. Crazy. I still can't believe there was no money retained in that Keith deal. <laughs> oh, God. For McDavid. Poor Connie. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Should we start those rumors in two years? <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we're uh, we're about wrapped up today. Uh, as I like to always give any uh, any final thoughts here before we wrap up, uh, Justin, to you first. Any any final thoughts you have here as we uh, continue to wait on Kaprizov news as well. Otherwise, really nothing else happened in wild in wild country outside of uh, waiting on Kaprizov. No, I th I don't think I have anything. Uh, think get my final thoughts. Uh, last podcast we we recorded, so so I'm, I think I'm good this I'm week. Good. This this recording, Zeke. Well, just a couple quick things. Uh, first of all, you know, this is a theme I saw throughout the year. I'm going to go on a little bit of rant here quickly and throughout recently, but please stop with the Jared Spurgeon has an albatross contract and he's declining and he's terrible now. Like I've seen that because 
people, you know, he had like four points in the first 20 games this year. It's like, stop looking at the point column for defensemen. Stop, you know, at least they're not paying, uh, you know, uh, uh, what the contracts other defensemen get out. Just, just please stop that nonsense. He's great. We talked about it on our player grade show earlier this year. Uh, and Brett, even the analytics, which I, you know, I understand, but, pe- you know, people smarter than me like Brett will be able to tell you that, but he was still very good. And just please, please stop a nonsense like that. I, I don't eh, go outside. It's August. Go enjoy the rest of your summer, but, uh, and, and stop complaining about the contract. But, uh, yeah, just last, I uh, just want to thank you, Ann, for coming on. Uh, you know, we, like I said before, we've kind of, we've kind of all known each other pretty much on Twitter here for several years now. So it was, uh, it was good to finally uh, get to talk to you. And like you mentioned, hopefully, bunch of us can meet up at a game or something here soon yeah. yeah no really appreciate you guys having me on and i really appreciate you guys doing this because not a lot of people other than maybe the steve dangle podcast would be like maybe the only other hockey podcast mm-hmm. that i listen to that would that even do anything close to this so really mm-hmm. thank you guys it does mean a lot yeah, yeah. we're excited no we're, we're glad that you'd be you. the first one we've got uh you know five more guests lined up that we're uh, working on finalizing we got one set for next week um, and they'll be coming on, and we're really excited to be having them on. So, uh, Elon, where can everyone uh, find you? And uh, I know you, you, have, you have a podcast that's kind of in limbo at the moment, but uh, tell, tell people where they can find you and a little bit more about your podcast. Yeah, uh, it's called the Pooks and the Puck Stopper podcast, uh, Pooks being my nickname that my mom gave me. <laughs> it's kind of stuck with me throughout uh, through, uh, middle school and high school, and it's uh, kind of what all my close friends call me and then my uh, – friend who I was doing it with is a goaltender. Um, it's going to be retooled. He just got really busy with his music career. So Pooks and the Puck Stopper podcast. Um, find it on Twitter. And then you can find me on Twitter at MapexDrummer26. Um, always welcome to talk to more fans. Always love to talk to more wild fans, hockey fans, whoever. Perfect. Zeke, where can we find you in your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZBWildNation.HW. You can find uh, my written work at HockeyWilderness.com. And Justin? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the CapriceF Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you're following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. For Elon, Justin, and Zeke, I'm Brett Marshall. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn.